It's the Tiltcast, episode 426. Horror. Horror. Adjacent. <laughs> and this week, guys, it's me and Rusty, and we're going to talk about a shitload of games. So we're going to talk about some Steam demos during the Steam Summer Festival, mm-hmm. and then we're going to go through Hard Space Shipbreaker, Rad, Dreadlands, Felseal, Space Haven, Noita, Curse of the Dead Gods, and Last of Us 2. All right. Stay tuned. Uh, yeah. 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 We're back. It's the Tiltcast. And it's been about a month. Uh, it almost. That's uh, three weeks. It, okay. Yeah. Almost a month. It's been almost a month. It's, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, it is July, July 3rd. 3rd. You would think it's July 4th because of all the fucking fireworks going off right now, but... Hey, uh, we are the Tiltcast, and uh, you're going to get a little bit of some mature rating on this show, so if that's not going to work for you, just understand. I mean, I already dropped the F-bomb, so yeah. <laughs> warning aside. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, prepared for an arbitrary amount of bullshit. Some games and some news. Um, we're one Tiltcaster short, and we have... We'll let Jason explain when he gets back, but Jason may be gone for a little bit. Yeah, he's... He's he's had a pretty rough couple weeks, uh, experiencing some loss in his family. So we're we're gonna we're we're pulling for him. We're we're supporting him, and uh, we're we're giving him the time he needs to uh, to to handle all that. So yeah, because honestly, all this is is our semi professional hobby, right? So um, that aside, I feel like me and Rusty have been doing this long enough that we can handle a few episodes minus one, Jason. Yeah, and you know who knows? Maybe we'll get a guest here or there. We'll just see how long Jason needs. Right. And then when he gets back, he's back. Yeah. So, um, also the reason we've been gone for two weeks is right. just we, me and Rusty kind of pulled the trigger and said, you know what? You know, we're going to do this for a little bit and we'll let Jason figure it out on the side. Right. Yeah. It's and just not even let, we haven't even. We, we needed some rest too, because, uh, there was a, there was a, there was a week there that we just, we were all fucked and just destroyed. Like I, <laughs> I got like three hours of sleep today, even so. Yeah, it's been rough. I mean, I won't lie. Um, all the isolation gets to me sometimes, and there are times where I I need this honestly. Like I, yeah. I spent part of my day to, like freaking plugging a or unplugging a drain. Like I had the cl- <laughs> the fucking clean out on, and I had my fucking. <laughs> my snake out, like yeah, the you, actual yeah. snake. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, you did. Trying to clean some pipes. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's gross. It's a dirty job, man. Yeah, dude. I like, don't know how fucking Rotorooter even deals with that shit. Because well, I'm glad like, it's not the toilet. Shit. Like when it's when it's the sink and it's like gross food particles. It's pretty some, bad. It's gross, but I can deal. I don't know, man. But it, if it was a toilet I was snaking, I would have a lot more trouble with it because then you got to pull the snake back out. Oh. No. Like, I was just pulling out grease and shit That's this time, bad. which is bad, and I created a small enough hole that I got a slow drain now. Now I got to put in the, the water dick on the roof tomorrow morning. <laughs> he's, so He's got he's got a fucking, like, like di- water dildo. It looks it's, like it's a It's exactly what it looks like. and what it, it's, a, it's called a bladder, and it does exactly what a dick does. It fills up and then blows shit out, right? So... It creates an immense amount of pressure. It takes your garden hose and turns it into like 120 PSI 
small screen. And this rubber end that looks like a dick literally expands to the width of your pipe, like up to uh, like an inch or no more like a like an inch and a half PVC, which yeah. is about what you're looking for on your. Uh, that's not the clean out. Whatever it is, that's right above your kitchen. Right. Um, and then you just blast water down and it cleans out clogs almost always. Almost always. Almost always. Like, I haven't had to call the plumber yet. Like, and you can get that sucker snaked way the fuck down there if you've got a long enough hose. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a fucking week, man. I've been dealing with migraines and all sorts of shit. This weather's been fucking wacky. Like, we had fucking dust clouds and... Sahara and, dust clouds. Right? Yeah. Fuck and, it. like, everything's just fucking... Uh, it's just the world's on fire, and like we're just playing fucking video games. It's 2020. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this fucking year, man, this, this year needs to fucking like not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, blessing that I have right now is having two really needy animals because I feel some comfort with that. Well, like, you would understand if you had animals, but right. like Lola's a snuggly as shit, man. Well. <laughs> and completely unfazed by the fireworks, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> deafness is a blessing right here for the dog. Yeah. She just doesn't give a fuck. And there's Zoe, I'm like, will you just go out and pee? She's like, fuck you. <laughs> the world's blowing up. No. It's like, have you heard it? <laughs> and like, normally she she's over there in the corner. Like, yeah. she's not always like that unless shit's on fire. Yeah, she's in the quietest room in the house right now, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a fucked up week, man. Um, and we're back, and, you know, a lot of those details don't need to be discussed. Right. But there's just uh, a lot of shit going on, and we're holding it together and keeping this hobby going. Um, through a fucking pandemic, through multiple, like, crazy shit happening in family, and, like... Yeah, it's <laughs> nuts. Absolutely nuts. Like I don't even know how we do it. Well, I mean, th this... This we were doing this via Skype. Like we we don't we weren't set up for Skype before. No. We did this for through Skype for you guys, <laughs> right? Like we don't even have a fucking Patreon. We're not even asking for goddamn money. Like Which, we seriously enjoy talking into microphones <laughs> and towards an imaginary audience. <laughs> the five of you out there, hi. Um, <laughs> the uh, I even fucking destroyed a microphone doing this. I don't know how. But my fucking blue exploded, so I'm on the new microphone now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a big paperweight now. I still haven't thrown it away because I can't bring myself to. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm not going to repair it. I can't. <laughs> you ever do, So you see there's a lot of technology I need to throw away in this room. Yes. Um, Like those fucking random boxes. Like a lot of that stuff shipped from work that mm. I brought here. I don't know why I transported my whole desk here thinking I, I was going to set it up. I threw... Yeah, I'm a fucking living stereotype. I have some vinyl pops. Yeah, you do. Um, and I took my ones from work and set it up in here on my desk that's not really a desk. It's a fucking old Walmart entertainment center I bought for 30 bucks, <laughs> and I've got three monitors on it and a desktop. It's even worse than Ikea. Yeah. It's way worse than Ikea. It's not even tall enough. Like, I've got a fucking end table for a mouse pad. <laughs> what you do, man, it's like... I'm still sitting in the same chair I was sitting in earlier as yeah. I was doing work. Yeah. Sitting on meetings. You just fucking turn around and it's podcast time. <laughs> yeah, I finally got into describing it. Um, uh, sometime, I, somebody was making the joke. Um, I was on one of these calls 
recently and you know they see me so often they see the black background and i finally adjusted my camera mm -hmm. so that it pointed at the door oh. instead of all that stuff which actually helped kind of explain what was going on right and then finally somebody was brave enough on these meetings with people across the country that really don't know me in person like what the hell is up with all the microphones and black padding and everything oh. like somebody finally made the comment <laughs> it's like it looks like a dungeon can you explain <laughs> i was like i am happy to explain i have a not so a not so work safe for work podcast i do um if you're interested i'll tell you but not on this damn call in right. front of people that are you know i basically said you know i have people in there that are like you know the overlords of my company are on this call so i'm just like right if you're interested side eye me i was like it's not safe for work and i'll just leave it at that i was like the more you understand that I just sit on the edge of my sense of humor here, yes. that's where I can let loose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've I've shared pictures with uh, of the inside of our sex dungeon here, uh, you know, with my friends. And they're like, you do a podcast? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. Why don't you listen? Uh, you know, uh, the people that I work with, they, of course, they I have to tell them. I'm like I'm on a podcast on when uh, on Friday nights. Don't fucking call me, otherwise you're going to be on the internet. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and they're like, well, what, what kind of podcast do you do? And I'm like, well, I've been doing it for fucking like uncountable years now. I think you've been doing it since 2012, haven't you? It's or maybe 2013. It's been about fucking. I would say at least seven years. Seven, eight years, almost. Yeah, it's fucking like every Friday. <laughs> At well, this point, you and Jason Friday. have been doing it longer than everybody else. Well, we started as red shirts, remember? Yeah, so a long time <laughs> ago, we used to have, we had a rotating cast. So it was me, Holly, and Trent, mm -hmm. um, and one person I just don't name because he's not worth naming. Other, we got one person that was on here for like 40 episodes. Um, anyways, that aside, we used to have a rotating cast of people to fill in gaps. Right. And we called them all red shirts. Um and some of those red shirts stuck around a while. I mean, we had let's let's start counting. Uh, we had Will Will. Will was alive and well, still still doing fine. Um, yep. We had Rex, who fell asleep a couple times in the show. That's I mean, Rex. <laughs> out of everybody on the show, is probably one of the more successful people. There you go. Um, he does sword fighting now. He went to the Witcher school. Fucking. Um, Damn. <laughs> He's an IT overlord at some major corporation here in town. Nice. Um, we had, I'm trying to think of somebody. We had Scott that was on here for quite a while. Yep. Um, Still gets me with his golem voice. Yeah. <laughs> or if you want to hear some really, really good, um, oh, fuck, who's the Christopher Walken impersonation? Uh -huh. Yeah, he can do that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have some of that. Trent was never red shirt. Trent helped me found the show, but yep. he was on here for like 150. Yeah. Um, trying to think, we had Stevo on one episode. Well, yeah, we've had uh, Casey. Casey's probably our longest standing red shirt. Yep. Because he spans all seasons, usually one episode a season <laughs> at least. <laughs> he's on his second kid right now. Yeah. So yeah, he's congrats, pretty. Man. He's pretty fucking tied up. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were actually thinking about putting him on Skype for a little while, which we might be able to still do some of that. Maybe. Yep. That's actually not a bad idea. We could just throw a couple people on Skype that I've got a couple people that are interested in the wings that could absolutely Skype in. Fuck yeah. 
Um, I mean, we got it set up. Got now. might as well. <laughs> Matt on here. Um, long-standing redshirt and just long-standing friend. I've had Dave on here. Um, I've had John's done a few interesting episodes with us as well. Yep. Um, Nymph has been show adjacent for a long time. <laughs> we could actually. He's doing uh, TVGP right now. Oh, there you go. So I'm sure he'd be down if he was ever free on Friday. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think we may we may guest it up here for a little bit, and you guys are just gonna have to deal. Yeah, <laughs> fucking. It's... it's either that or no episodes. Yeah, no, we'll 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 still fill the space, man. We're we're gonna we're, we'll be able to do this. So, Rusty, um, I think this week's gonna be interesting. Did you? Did you mess around a little bit with the summer of gaming thing that Steam was doing, where they had the interviews and stuff like that going on? They, I wasn't ever, uh, able to ever actually catch any of the fucking interviews because of my schedule. Um, but the, uh, you know, and I looked at some of the uh, uh, the demos, but I didn't really play very many. You know, I, I don't know, man. I've been uh, kind of sucked into a particular game that you are fucking tired of hearing about, but I will continue fucking playing because I find fun in it. Uh, you know, that is uh, Final Fantasy XIV for those people who don't know what my fucking current obsession is. Uh, but, yeah, the, um, a lot of the demos really didn't fucking strike me. I know you played some, but... So I'm gonna try something. Okay. Um, since we don't do a two-person show very often. Yeah. And so I'm not the only person talking. Um, I've got the list of games there that I played that were demos. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want you, I think you're familiar with most of these. I want you to ask me questions about them. Oh yeah. So the oh, the ones good. that I posted on our group yeah. were all the ones that were that I actually felt were worth a damn. I actually played quite a few demos. Just at that point, I didn't know what was going on, so I was like, I better get ahead of this. There's no fucking E3. I'm gonna. This is close to E3 I'm going to get to this year, which is fucking Steam event. Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> right? Actually, which it wasn't really that bad. There was a lot of stuff that you could just download. And actually, some of these demos are still sitting in my Steam library. It wasn't until very recently that some of them disappeared. So, And some of these had no time limits on them. Oh, nice. So I got a pretty decent shake of what was in there. Um, there's a few that I didn't put in here because I felt like I, I was just trying to put what I thought was the most lean list of stuff that was good. Right. Um, so I'm going to talk about Inmost. What do you remember or know about Inmost? So Inmost was... Uh, is Inmost kind of like along the same kind of vein as... Uh, oh, fuck that. Uh, the fucking shadow thing. Well, it's uh, it's made by Chucklefish. Or right. produced by Chucklefish. Not uh, made. Uh, I am now drawing blanks on fucking video game names. <laughs> Um, uh, is it most is it's a pixel art game. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, doggy. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, oh, there's Rusty. He's, he's very animated. I must get over there and int introduce myself yet again. Um, that's okay. I'm going to find, I'm going to look things up because I'm going to, oh, okay, 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 okay. I think and when it came out, both me and you. Scrolling. Action game, and I was I was looking at this, 
It's actually in my Steam uh, wish list. Me and you wish listed it at the same time because right. we saw something on it. And I was like, hey, check this out. And you're like, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, it, it has like fucking shadow style creatures and fucking it was uh, had a really cool pixel art style going for it. So and, and that was one of the games that I was looking at possibly fucking downloading, but I fucking got sidetracked. So I, I didn't get quite to the end, but I got a good idea. I got a good feel for it. I played it for about an hour and a half. Which is as long as I would ever get to play anything at a PAX. Like, longer than I get to play something at PAX. Right. So, I'll explain what it was from my perspective. Um, it's in a, a horror adventure game. And it's not... It's more of a puzzle game than it is an action game. So... And you play through different people's stories. So... Okay. You start off the game with one person's story that kind of leads up to what's going on. So, it kind of tells how events started to unfold. And that sets the premise for the game. And then it evolves into another character in the game where you're kind of understanding some of the, the mechanics of the game. It explains that, like, dark patches, this dark ooze stuff is stuff that you can't touch. Okay. And it's done in a very... It's actually kind of low detail, low poly, but done with a really sharp art style. So it ends up looking higher detail than it is. It's it's the backgrounds that really make it though, right? So yeah, and then the way that they it's not really lighting, but it kind of is, right? So the way that they use pixel density to kind of create the scene, and the way that they use it to create simulated light. Um, but it moves to another character, and it's kind of a puzzle platformer where you're getting different items to unlock different areas. So very kind of Silent Hill, okay. um, very moody as fuck, very decent music. Um, and then it kind of progressed to this knight character, but there, the, the only time I could fight anything was when I was using the knight character. When I was using the second character, it was all puzzle stuff and all puzzle platforming. And then in running from a creature and using the environment to hurt the creature, but not actually doing any damage myself. And it's such kind of a weird, like maybe 1800s is what it's set in. I don't know. It's it's set in a very unspecified time frame, but not modern. Yeah, it doesn't look very modern. I'm just I'm looking through some of the screenshots of the gameplay and you know, and it looks almost medieval. Um yeah, and at times it is, and it's just at times it feels like it's maybe sometime in the 1800s. But I don't know that they have a set time date that they're going for. Well, I mean, I if it's if it's one of those things that if it's multiple characters, uh, and, and I'm speculating because I haven't actually seen anything or played in it, uh, played any of it, but uh, if it's multiple characters, this might be one of those like reoccurring things that yeah. happens over a period of time, and, and you're it, experiencing like the different stories of that, and I. I typically go horror adjacent with a lot of stuff. This is the one horror 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 <laughs> not horror adjacent. Oh my god, <laughs> horror adjacent, horror adjacent. We can't use that as a title, but we can use horror horror. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's it's I so like um. Typically, you know, like, I like the art style of Dark Souls and the setting of Dark Souls, but I 
for whatever reason, I, I dislike it. Right. Um, this is pretty intense at times for what it is. It just, you can really tell the art direction is just very fucking strong for whoever's creating this game. Yeah. But I anticipate it being an excellent game once it's finished, and it comes out sometime this year. Um, I was very much impressed, and it very much felt like if this comes out at full price, I'm going to get it. Um, before I jump too much further, I'm actually going to go with the biggest letdown that I had. Oh boy. Which is one of the ones actually included on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Destroy All Humans. Oh, and is that so? Here's why. I think when I played Destroy All Humans the first time, I was like a sophomore in college. Right. right? And I didn't have a very high expectation of games. And it captures all the camp and feel of the original game. Uh, it does a real good w- job of up it. It seemed to run just fine on PC. Uh, it seemed like it was fairly well optimized. It just goes to the first scene, and if you've played it um, at any point, you know that you land in a field and you're, like, throwing cows around and killing people and everything else. And it really goes right back into that. But it's really just, like, destroy everything all the time for points. And so it feels really arcadey. Well, and I just didn't remember the gameplay well enough or the loop well enough to understand what I'm getting into. So I think it releases later this month. I think if you're looking for that, I mean, the $30 price tag isn't horrible. And I think they do it justice for what they did. But I don't feel like it's on my immediate buy list. She's busy. Yeah, just let her be. (laughs) Gotta be quiet. (laughs) <laughs> she can't hear. No. Yeah, no, the, uh, Destroy All Humans, I, I remember actually playing uh, Destroy All Humans very, very briefly. Like PS2. Yeah, it was it was a very brief play session for that. I mean, yeah, it didn't it didn't scratch the itch, because back then, uh, you know, in the PlayStation, PlayStation 2 era, I was really heavy into, uh, you know, into whatever JRPG I could get my hands on. You know, games that you know that I felt justified certain price tags, yeah, uh, because I could spend, you know, almost you know hundreds of hours playing them or replaying them. Uh, they just they seemed like a better you know better use of what little money I had when I was growing up, uh, and uh, so whenever I. I, and I would pick these things, you know, pick up games like Destroy All Humans from Blockbuster. Yeah, it was like a rent a, a rent game that you knew you could beat in a weekend kind of thing. Right. So, and what I would do is if I ended up having like, you know, it was a, like 10 or 15 bucks, uh, Blockbuster was having a special where, you, you know, on the weekends, if you wanted to rent over a weekend, you could rent like five games for 10 bucks or something like that. Uh, that was... Well, it was the blockbuster equivalent of there was some some store here in Stillwater, which is where I went to college, and I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was essentially like vintage stock, but they also sold a lot of new games. I guess vintage stock is not something everybody knows of. Right. It was like a used and new game store that also sold a whole bunch of music, and I can't remember the name of it, but they that's where I used to when I get disbursement, it was. Four blocks from my house, I'd run over there and pick up some PC games because that's when you bought PC games from the store. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and a couple of console games, and that boxes. was yeah, yeah, they're huge boxes, <laughs> right? That's 
that's when I bought Daggerfall. That's when I bought uh, Doom Three. I bought Morrowind. Yeah, the, you know the original Morrowind that way. I bought World of Warcraft that way. Yep, yep. In a big box at a store at one of my last years at college. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I used to buy that kind of stuff. Anyways, moving along. Um, one that I felt was really strong, like probably the strongest impression I had out of the entire list, is a game called Riftbreaker. The cover art for it on Steam doesn't do it justice, but Riftbreaker is everything that people want StarCraft to be when they can't play StarCraft like a pro player. Okay. It's all about turtling. It's all about turtling. For the most part, yeah. Okay. So you build a base, right? And there's a little bit of building and crafting components, and you're in this mech suit, and the mech suit's got a melee and a ranged attack. So it's like a left and a right click attack. And this thing plays like a twin-stick shooter with that mech, as you go out and gather resources with it, there's no, at least for what I played, which was like five hours of this fucking demo, um, you basically gather resources with the mech, you go back and you build a base with turrets, and you go through a tech tree to upgrade it, and then you get attacked by waves of enemies that attack your base, and you can teleport between multiple bases. So you set up each encampment around a node, um, and the resource gathering from the node is controlled by a building. So you plant a building on top of it and it gathers that resource, whether it be steel or carbon or whatever it is. Right. Right. And you protect those nodes and the objective is usually to clear the map of aliens. Yeah. That's uh, Lola chewing on her bone. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but Riftbreaker left a strong impression on me. It just the loop was really fun. The controls were really fun. It is really colorful. Um, it uses all the particles all the time. It uses it's a very eye candy RTS game. Um, there's no pause and then attack or anything. I guess it's not it's real time strategy as it, but completely real time. So is it is it kind of like so it's kind of a mesh between um, like an RTS, a twin stick shooter, and like tower defense. Yeah, it's like Diablo meets Starcraft meets. Um, a random tower defense game. <laughs> Balloon tower defense. Yeah. The monkey tower defense. It's not... It's challenging, but not too challenging. And, like, your mech gets different upgrades that you unlock in technology trees based on the components that you're harvesting. Um, and then your abilities for your base are the different structures and upgrade as well. Um, Use the, uh, the, the travel, the dimension of the rift part of that is the travel part. It just allows you to get, jump back and forth between bases, basically. Okay. It's a little bit gimmicky. I didn't really... That didn't wasn't the thing that really set it apart. The fact that it was very twin-stick shooter RPG mixed with base building and tower defense is what kind of set me off, and the fact that it looks fucking gorgeous. Okay. I mean, um, you would think that the rift part of Rift Breaker would be kind of a key feature well the demo didn't really have any story mode or let me really understand what the reason for the rift stuff was for the most part it was okay. really just it drops you into the core gameplay and it it tutorialized a little bit in the demo enough to get you started but it kind of let you just go okay and i just started playing the damn game i mean i obviously didn't know what the hell i was doing for half of it but 
like I was having fun not knowing what I was doing instead of being frustrated not knowing what I was doing. Well, I mean, that's a that's a good that's that's a good starting point at least. I I can't say enough good things about it. I think when it finally releases later this year, it'll be a very solid release for anybody that's interested in that kind of stuff. Um, moving along from that, it didn't demo well, but it streamed well. Okay. So I tried to play the Iron Harvest demo, and there was absolutely no tutorialization in the demo, so it just drops you on a random challenge map, which was all that they had. And without somebody really telling you what each unit does and how to get into the big mechs and things like that, um, it really didn't leave any impression on me because I didn't know what I was doing. So Iron Harvest is also an RTS game, mm -hmm. um, but has these big, like, weird World War One style mechs that all look like they're driven with gasoline and steam. And you've okay. got a bunch of infantrymen with, like, fucking, like, M1. M1 rifles and shit like that. Um, it's <laughs> Jesus, Lola, right under the mic. <sighs> I'm glad you're excited. Um, but yeah, so when it dropped me into the tutorial, it really did not give a good impression because, or the the lack of tutorial gave me no good impression because I had no idea what I was doing. So I stopped playing it. And then I watched the developer stream it to see what it looked like in action with somebody who understood the controls and understood the units and what they do and how you go through a turn and all that other stuff. And I would assume, with the amount of buzz this game has gotten the last couple of years, that they had some tutorialization, right? Like, I can't let the demo completely put me off. But it left me the mixed feeling because of what they... They released a demo that really wasn't ready to be a demo and then had a developer playing that in story campaign mode with objectives and things to do and right. using their characters correctly. And I, I watched it for about two hours and I was like, you know what? This looks pretty fucking cool. Um, I may be giving this a shot when it comes out in September. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're a bigger fan of the, uh, the RTS and strategy style games than I am. I just like um, games I can sit down and click and then wait a second and do something or listen to a podcast while I do it. Um, I do like story games, but you're just going to get her riled up. That's all that's going to happen. Well, I'm just trying to get her to not bang on the fucking table with her bone. <laughs> anyway. Banging bones. <laughs> that's what you do all day, isn't it, Lola? You're just yeah. banging bones. Yep. And she, she started just, kicking her leg when I said that. Yeah, she got she, excited. She just drives that shit home. Anyway, um, the, uh, yeah, it was uh, with RTSs. I find myself I get bored after a while. So, like even you know, I don't know. Like StarCraft Two, for instance, not not the best StarCraft or best RTS. It's still fairly popular. Whenever I was playing it, it would uh, it would be like forty five minutes of yawn. It was just not for me. You know the. Uh, 45 minutes I could actually get into a lot of other fucking, you know, you know, really chunky levels of like an RPG or, or get into a fucking grind or even like have, you know, have at least two or three goes at a stage in an action game. Uh, but you know, 45 minutes from, you know, for those, uh, those style games, especially if I, those 45 minutes just ends in a fucking failure and I have to do it over again, 
fuck? I'm like, seriously, why? Um, that's a and those type of games aren't for everybody, right? You know, but I can appreciate the 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 fucking level. Oh my god, dog! Seriously, uh, the uh, I can appreciate the level of detail that they put into uh, you know to make unique worlds for this, and the idea of having like steampunk style mechs in World War One. That's way too fucking loud, dude. <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, that, that is actually really interesting. Uh, they went, you know, they went with a, uh, uh, with something that's different. Uh, kind of like how Frostpunk is different for a number of, you know, a number of reasons, right? It's, you know, it, it, it is... Should we take a quick break? Oh, like oh, you just need to move the fucking bone is what you need to do. Um, uh, I can go get a con for. Just move the fucking bone. Uh, as long as she's not banging against the fucking table, we're fine. Oh my gosh, dog, you're so cute and fucking loud. Um, the uh, the idea behind what they're doing with this is it's unique enough that. It would. It, it it. I don't know if I'd play it, uh, to be fr- full fucking honest. I don't know if I'd play it, but I can appreciate what they did with it. That is. That is just me. Oh my god! This is killing Rusty's ASMR. It is. It really is. I I try to keep things as fucking quiet as possible, and this dog is is not cooperating tonight um the last of the demos that i played then i'm actually going to move to some of the games yeah um that i actually dug into um i played a decent chunk of everspace 2 because i wanted to see what that played like right and the first thing that came across is the flying was immediately easier to control with a controller good that was really my only issue with the first one is it took a really long time especially after playing a lot of um uh, Elite Dangerous. Elite Dangerous. Yeah. To get the hang of that arcadey flying and the auto rolls and stuff like that. I don't know. I should have taken note about what was different, but there was something enough different in the control screen, screen, uh, control scheme. <laughs> control scheme. Yes. Um, that I was able to really hold my own um, and get through several different missions on my own with it um, and felt pretty good about it. It. Looks a little bit better. Obviously, that they're using the same engine, but there's a seems like there's a decent amount of TLC with what was weird about the first one control wise. Right. Um, that they fixed that to where I felt way more confident in my dog fights than I did in the first one. That yeah. was if honestly, it got better when you played with the keyboard and mouse for the aiming on that game, which was weird to fly a ship with a keyboard and mouse, and I didn't like it. Yeah, it, it didn't feel quite right. Like I bought I bought into Everspace, you know, because it's pretty much a meld of two uh, two types of genres that I can enjoy. You know, the you know the the space flight style, fucking you know, almost arcadey, um, you know, dogfighting, plus the uh, the roguelike. You know, because you just can you know you go as far as you can, buy as many upgrades as you can, and keep going a little bit farther each time. Yeah, and then you got permanent ship unlocks, right? You know the um, 
that that kind of you know that kind of gameplay loop is like maybe your first runs maybe five minutes long, but as you get going, you get into like half an hour to hour long runs. Yeah, I think I was getting when I really got that game rolling. I was sitting about an hour a run. Yeah, and and and, and you know at a certain point you're like, okay there's probably no fucking way I'm going to get through this area, so I'm just going to gather as many resources as I possibly can before they finally take me out. You know, and and you're like, okay, sure, it was one full, you know, one hour full run, but I got enough fucking resources right now to make sure that I get past that the next time I get there. You know, that and the randomness of the uh, of the weapon drops was kind of nice too. Yeah, I was immediately struck about how good the game still looked and ran on my seven. Uh, what do I have? Seventeen seventy. Yeah, I think ten seventy. Ten seventy. Yes, seven seventy was two generations, yeah. three generations yeah. ago. So, yeah, yeah, you're 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 yeah. You you're just waiting for the you know, for the the thirty eighty ti to come out. <laughs> Um, um, but the, um, uh, but so Everspace 2, would you say that they've improved the graphics or is it about the same? It's hard to say. Um, that game was already looked really good and still looks really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the backdrops seem more detailed. Okay. Yeah. Cause the backdrops were, I mean, they were, they were well done in the first game, but you could tell that they were recycled over the course of a couple play sessions. Uh, so, and they weren't overly detailed, if I remember correctly. They were just, like, you know, General Starfield A, and, like, fucking Nebula B, and I'm not sure if... The planet backdrops in this seem pretty fucking cool. Okay, and and that was, that was another thing that I saw, was, uh, you know, a couple screenshots had ba uh, planet backdrops, which, I mean, that adds some spice to, you know, the idea. Um, because I don't remember seeing very many planets in the first one. It there was, wasn't a lot. There, I I remember like asteroids, nebulas, like normal star fields, and like I think the the first mission that you uh, that you get on is uh, next based, to a planet. I it's, think it's right outside of Earth space. So yeah, I don't I don't remember anything. I just remember it still striking me as looking pretty good. The last demo that I did mess with that I've been that I'm genuinely interested in is a game called Survivalist. It's made by the Escapist guys, which okay, um, it actually has nothing to do with that. Right. It plays out a lot like Don't Starve. Interesting. It's set in the same kind of plane, except that you can't rotate it like you can in Don't Starve. But you're crafting different things to get materials to create a base, and then you know you got to eat. Then it has this weird mechanic that I didn't quite figure out in the two hours I messed with it uh, about training a monkey to help you harvest resources. But apparently you can train a monkey to help you harvest resources and he monkey see monkey do's. Like you <laughs> click a button and then he's supposed to learn what you're doing and then you assign him, go mine this tree, go mine this, you know, go collect these berries, whatever. Okay. And you give him the tool to do it so that you can do more than one thing at a time. Gotcha. Um... I think it's also designed for co-op, but I think the monkey thing's supposed to help with what you would normally handicap yourself with by not doing co-op. 
Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at like a couple a uh, couple pictures. It's got the same you know style, the same art style. Hi. Just like uh, watching you talk. Um, it's got the same same art style as Escapist, really. But uh, I think that's where it stops, honestly. But that's about it. Yeah. Um, the uh, the the GIF I'm watching right now has you know him sending off the monkey to do something. Uh, but it's uh, it looks like there's like maybe four people playing at the same time. Yeah, You're a I had a dude. Yeah, I well, you can randomize your appearance. Oh, okay, so you can do whatever you want. But I was making a little hut, is what I was doing, and I was fighting some some creatures. Um, and then at that point, I decided to jump into some actual games. Um, I bought a few games on the Steam sale um, at decent prices. I've spent a total of thirty five dollars. I was picking on stuff that was seventy five percent off, which was about where you want it to be. Oh, Lola, just wants to lick some rusty there. <laughs> um, I'm gonna start with the uh, the decent and move to the grand. Uh, bitches love me. Uh, <laughs> I've got two of them. So the game that speaking of roguelites, um, I played a lot of Rad. I got Rad for five ninety nine. Rad. Oh, that's um, double yeah, finds. Yeah, double finds roguelike. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's rad, rad, and it's got a bunch of like guitar style music all through it. And I can't remember the story. It's really non consequential. <gasps> right. My runs right now are about an hour. The runs are a little bit longer than your typical roguelite um, because the game isn't immediately that hard. So basically, you're a dude with a baseball bat, and then as you kill creatures, you get mutation level. And then you mutate. So a couple of my favorite ones, I've got one that had, changes one of my arms into a firearm. Um, and uh, then I've got another one that gives me an additional arm with an additional bat, which extends my reach and does a charge attack. Firearm. Yeah. Like your arm's on fire. And it shoots fireballs. Oh, nice. So it's a projectile attack. Oh, okay. But, yeah, every level just is... Procedurally generated, right? Like, I've gotten to world, like, four or four or something like that. Um, and you just kind of go through the level and get upgrades, and then you can bank dollars for different things. Like, you use money in the game to buy... Um, like, one of the items you can get is a VHS tape, and what the VHS tape does is if you die, it basically gives you a free life. Okay. How? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I put, it rewinds. But I want to Be kind, know, rewind. Oh, my God. I should have saw that one coming. <laughs> yeah, you're... It rewinds. Of course it does. Oh, jeez. Anybody below 30 doesn't know what the fuck I just said. Oh, my God. Blockbuster. Be, be kind, rewind. No, I had to put those fucking stickers on the new tapes. Hey, I mean, if you really want to get into it, I, did you have one of those, like, VHS rewinders? Oh, yeah. Because it's, like, way faster than your VS, VCR? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, like... I had one probably, that was shaped like a race car. It was... It was... <laughs> To, uh, well, I actually worked, you know, funny enough, I worked at one of these uh, these rental places for a short period of time, like three months or something like that. Um, and they have, they had the industrial rewinder had 
two tape slots and you could put it in there and it rewound it like 10 times faster than a normal VCR would. Which is about a minute. Uh, and that was why the whole Be Kind Rewind thing, because it was an extra step for us, the fucking people who had to deal with that shit. Um, you know, that and a lot of customers really hated, you know, popping in a movie and seeing the credits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the most epic fucking failure happened with that fucking rewinder. I'll tell you, when you get a rewinder that fucking spins up like a fucking jet engine and goes through a tape like fucking ten times faster than a normal VCR, a failure to rewind or a mechanical failure in the rewinder instantly becomes an epic failure when the fucking tape flies out the back of the fucking thing and just, like, goes everywhere. <laughs> Destroyed tape, fucking magnetic tape all over the place, and you're like, oh my god, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it just exploded. Uh, I, I, I lost a, a copy of Bambi that way. <laughs> the old days. <laughs> but yeah, fucking be kind of... We were talking about rat. <laughs> We were. And for the most part, on a deal, it's not bad. Yeah, It's a decent roguelike. The, what you're taking with you is unlocking additional mutations for later. Right. And that's the, the level up takeaway. And then if you get far enough, sometimes you're able to save money for future runs. Um, or VCR tape so you have extra lives. Yeah. It... And that's kind of the loop of that game. Um, if you like the aesthetic and a mostly melee-heavy, isometric kind of platformer appeals to you, then it's not bad. Um, one that's really good that I've had a lot of fun with is called Curse of the Dead Gods. It's the same, um, the same type of, not art style, but um, camera style, right? Um, basically, I don't know what the story is because it's an early access game where the loop is strong enough that it really still is a fully playable game. Um, what it does is you, you're entering, you're a temple explorer, right? And you've got three different abilities. You got your torch, which lights the area, right? You've got your one action button, which is your melee attack. One of the melee attacks, your other action button, which is your ranged attack by default and your last action button which is your usually a, a heavy ranged or heavy melee attack so there's uh, four buttons okay I was, you, you've got a dodge which uses stamina and you've got a parry which doesn't use stamina so if you time the parry you get stamina back um, if you use the dodge you use one point of stamina you start off with five points of stamina every heavy swing uses a storm point of stamina every light swing does not okay um, but you get additional damage by using stamina, so there's some incentive to use your stamina aside from dodging all over the place. It does recharge. It takes a second. Um, but that's the mechanical part of it. The other mechanical part of it is you're constantly getting cursed. So the cursed adds variables to the character and the gameplay. So the cursed, one of the more wacky curses that'll happen is something called hallucinate, which means that you don't see some of the enemies. The whole thing goes into a sepia tone. The whole level, and yourself included, goes into a sepia tone. Um, and you have a hard time like seeing light sources, I think is what it is. And some of the enemies are not real that you're attacking. 
Okay. One of them, like, reduces a point of stamina, but you get stamina back by killing or something like that. Like, some of the curses aren't that bad. Some of them are pretty bad. Um, so it's kind of like a randomized hack and slash. Is it roguelike? Or is yeah, it... it's totally roguelike. Okay. So as you're going through the... And there's a whole bunch of different scenarios. So it starts off with short runs, right? And they've got two different themes for the runs. They've got the Serpent Temple right now, and then they've got another temple right now. And the when you're in the light, you do extra, you do, da- the enemy does less damage to you. When you're in the darkness, they do more damage to you. Okay. So you, the incentive is to use your torch to light torches or light things in the environment or light the enemies themselves to do less damage to you. Well, um, you kind of try to stay in the light as much as you can. Or sometimes it activates traps and things like that, which help kill the enemies. Um, the enemies tend to gang up on you. Some of them have unique abilities. Some of them actually curse you with their attacks. So for every door you go through, you end up getting like, let's say, 20% curse, right? And you can get up to like four or five curses per run. Um, And the idea is to get to the end to beat the boss, which gets you extra points or skulls, I think, or what they are. Okay. And so those skulls unlock different permanent attributes that you can assign to your character. So when you start off, you can set two permanent ability points. So like I've got one that I use a lot. It starts me off with a thousand gold because you start off with none, which means that I can buy an item for my character to upgrade them fairly early in the run, which is one of the reasons I like it. I've got another one where if you get, so you only get health back by getting abilities that give you health back, like a vampirism ability when you kill something to get a certain percentage of health back. Right. Or by using these curse fountains. And every time you use the curse fountain, a certain amount of curse is done to you every time you gain some of that health back. Oh, nice. And that's one of the rooms that it's in there. It's laid out. So you've played Slay the Spire, right? Yeah. Okay. So you know how you had like three different paths that were on that map? Right. <coughs> it uses that exact same system. Okay. Um, for your progression. So you know that at the end of this map, you're going to get a weapon. At the end of this map, you're going to get some gold of some sort. At the end of this map, you're going to get an ability or a stat increase or something like that. And so it plays out like that. And then there's variables to each of the map that you can unlock. So like after you beat the boss the first time, then you've got different types or styles of run on that same dungeon that you can do. So one of them started me off with no weapons but a bow, but the bow was insanely powerful. Okay. And so everything I was picking up was gold, which I was using to unlock stat upgrades. Um, so anyways, um, the loop on it is very strong. Um, I've put a decent amount of time into it. I really like roguelikes. I feel like it's a very solid game, and if you can find it on sale, it's absolutely worth sale price and it is absolutely actually worth full price as i don't think it clocks out at more than 20 bucks but i got it for less than that um another let's go to some yeah let's go to a let's go to something that's not a roguelike i played a, a base building game kind of kind of like uh it's like rim world in space is the easiest way for me to it's a colony simulator with more focus on the building and stuff like that um called space haven space haven Okay. Um, I can't say that I've actually heard of the last two. <laughs> That's just, I'm being completely honest. You yeah. Know, but Space Haven, huh? Another one I got on sale for about less than $10, actually. I think I got it at six ninety nine. Anyways, um, Space Haven, um, you're basically set in a scenario where you're trying to build out a ship based on mining asteroids in space. Um, It combines that with some rudimentary tactics and combat. So you're trying to set up a sustainable spaceship. Um, 
by mining asteroids and exploring derelict ships in different areas. So the first area kind of tutorializes it and sets you up and says, hey, you need to create a sustainable environment, meaning you've got to set up places for me to gather or grow food in my base. I need to set up a sustainable oxygen supply. I need to figure out water. I need to figure out how to keep these people alive in space, basically, while yes. I'm building out a ship. It has some really fucking cool animations with the ship building. Um, the default ship that you start off with on the starter deal has these little pods that they climb into, and they shoot off in these pods to go salvage things or mine asteroids and stuff. And it, I don't know, there's just something really cool about it. It's done in a pixel art art style, but highly detailed pixel art. It's super highly detailed. It's on a fixed isometric plane, so it's not anything you can change the camera aside from moving side to side. Um, the combat, basically, you give your guy a weapon, send him to a derelict ship, and then he fights aliens. And all there really is is just a move him here, and then he will automatically shoot stuff, or you can prioritize tar targets. Uh, but they gain stats and things like that based on their fights. Um, your character's kind of... There's a story or simulator, kind of like RimWorld in the background. And so to that effect, it's very much like RimWorld, right? You can set priorities and tasks and things like that to create the story that you want. And it's not quite finished yet, but still extremely playable. Um, I got very addicted to it. Right now I've got a run that's fairly successful. And I figured out on this run what I'm doing wrong is I didn't gather ice early enough. So I'm running out of water slowly. And I don't... If I can make it to the next galaxy, then I think I can continue that run, but... For the time being, I'm I'm slowly killing my crew off. You're, you're you're they're dehydrating. You can't put them in a pod. Yeah, well, I can't. So you get water from um, ice asteroids, okay. and I didn't start refining it early enough. So I didn't start refining any of my wastewater, and I found out I was just running. So you can recycle your wastewater. So your poop water can be recycled into drinkable water. <laughs> I wasn't recycling my poops. <laughs> you were just and I did off into space. Yeah, and I didn't discover it until way later. So I don't have... If I don't figure out how to get my hyperdrive set up for the next area in time, my crew's going to die off. Nice. Um, which I may continue that run, or I may learn from my mistakes and do a new one. I, Much in the way of RimWorld, I very rarely get to the very end. It's mostly just the getting through it, which is kind of fun. Um... I'll move to an excellent roguelike that doesn't normally fit into the thing that I'd like about a roguelike. It's called Noita. 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 It's okay. a it's a side-scrolling roguelike with wi a wizard. And basically, every pixel is simulated in the world, meaning that if it's loose, it will move like water or whatever, right? Okay. For example, right, I see a I see a wooden structure beneath me or a wooden platform beneath me. Above that is a lamp with fire in it. If I shoot the lamp and drop it down, it catches that on fire. The fire drips down from there as it's on fire and lights the platform below that on fire, which then, as it's still on fire, maybe catches some coal on fire, and that coal turns into a random explosion, and then things are dying, and there's chaos all over the place. Okay. Um, different elements mix, so like... You can get yourself on fire, and that fire falls on top of a body of water, and that water starts producing steam, and then that steam starts to suffocate me. Um, I can, like, destroy, drop a bomb in a lake of acid, and that acid starts eating through the whole level. Um, oh, wow. Like, it's just, it's chaos. Um, there is no unlocks with Noita. 
<clears throat> every run is just a run to get as far as you can. But the problem, or the the part of it that I like, though, is it's just insanely fun. There's a learning curve to it. Uh, my first few runs are very short. Um, I can make it, my longest run right now is about 45 minutes at close to five hours of gameplay. It's been very good for me to play while I'm at lunch. <coughs> so I usually give myself 30 minutes of gameplay during lunch um, to kind of relax for my day. And it's been good for me to get through part of a run. You can save your run. if So if you need to stop, you could just save it right there and then come back to it later. Um, but there's no reward other than beating the game. Okay. I mean... That it gets should... progressively harder. I mean, you don't need a reward if the game is good. Uh, it's it's an early access title that feels like a full release. <laughs> much in the same way as Curse of the Dead Gods. Like, it really doesn't feel like it's lacking anything. Like, at all. It just, it feels like it's already done, but it's early access. So... What what this actually looks so you remember uh, it was fairly early on in the internet there was uh, there was this uh, uh, sand particle simulator where you could kind of like build little mounds of sand uh, I I don't know exactly I actually don't you don't remember uh-uh. okay so there, there was it was a, I think it was like a flash game or something like that you could uh, that you could mess around with on on the internet and it would be basically a little bucket uh your your the icon was a little bucket and it would drop little pixel you know just pixels of sand and it would build mounds that's kind of what this looks like and you can kind of i don't know well it's just like if you get on fire you have a bucket of water on you that you can refill and you can dump the bucket on yourself there's these fire mages in the first level that are pretty hard to kill uh-huh. but you can put them out with water you just throw the water on them and just yeah like... it's it kind of it's got like a pee stream so you can kind of <laughs> squirt water at them and put them out sometimes it's kind of hard to do and sometimes it's easier to just use a bomb okay um the cool thing about all the wands is they all have like a cast per second a mana amount and a time to recharge mana on them and you can pull the spells out at the end of the level and reassign them to different wands some spells are single use or a limited use. So, like, I've got on one of my runs, I had one that gave me like twenty. Uh, it was three sets of twenty fireballs, right? Okay. So that was in the spell slot. But then there was a modifier I had on another one that combined three spells together. So I added to that one, and then it was like a cannon blast, but it only had twenty shots. So it combined three fire spells together into one, and it. I added a feature that made it homing from another wand, and so it was a homing-like cannon blast for 20 shots that would kill anything in one hit. Wow. So, um, that was a fun run, and until course, I killed myself with the same said cannon blast. Yeah. yeah I, you can damage yourself. You don't get health back unless you have certain traits, but there's unlockable traits at the end of every level. Okay. Um, and some of those are things like edit a wand anywhere or give yourself spider legs and now you can no longer fly, but you stick to ceilings. Um, like, it's super fucking random. Okay. It's just, it's chaos the game. All right. Um, and good for short. I don't think, I don't think I could play it for like two hours at a time because it's so hard. Um, but it's really fun when you're playing it. So like short play sessions in between doing other things, it's a really fun roguelike. Okay. I mean, that's perfectly valid. I mean, you do need to have games that you can kind of fit into small spaces and 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 it's nice to see uh you know some developers actually 
fitting into that you know that niche because there's you know everything the uh everything is triple a this and the news and triple a that in the fucking news and you spend fucking hours and hours or it's an mmo and you fucking basically live your life in it um i've literally played only one triple a game in the last month uh, and i've only played an mmo for the last fucking two three yeah three. <laughs> so and i'll talk about that here soon i'm actually almost done with the smaller game list okay um i've got two more Okay. One that's a decent and one that's an excellent. Okay. Let's so decent then. Decent's Dreadlands. Dreadlands. It's okay. kind of it's a it's an early access title that seems mostly feature complete though they don't have the story completely done. Basically, it plays out like if Wasteland Two was done in a Borderlands kind of theme. Um. Okay. So you create a tri like a tribe of minions basically. And this tribe is consists of different classes of characters, and it plays out like an isometric turn-based RPG. Um, oh, I've got three. Boy. Um, <laughs> so this game is basically like you have a character that's like it. The weird thing that it does is when you lock into melee, nothing else can shoot you. So there's an incentive to use melee because... Your only other characters that can engage you once you get in melee is other melee characters. Oh, so okay, and it rebuffs this a little bit that when you attack somebody and hit them with a melee strike, you can do it knocks them back one space. And you can do a follow up to re-engage them in melee so nobody else can attack you, or you can not, so that somebody else can shoot that character that you engaged. Oh, well that that's very tactical actually. Um. So, but it ends up making for some really fun battles. I mean, I've got a couple of like wasteland dogs that are part of my team right now that I use very often, and they get, you know, I mean, I got two dogs here, so I'm always going to be partial to dogs, right? Um, but they get, I've got them set up right now where they get health back every time they attack, so they're kind of tanky. Um, they're not, they don't have the highest hit points, but they absorb hit points every time they attack. Yeah. So I tend to use them quite a bit. Um. Give it a give it a shot. If you can find it on the cheap, it's worth it. It might be worth waiting until it's done because there's still some hink to it. Like the sound effects are kind of hinky. But it <laughs> seems like there's a lot of TLC and it seems like they're regularly updating it. Uh, the last two are Primo. Like Super Primo. Okay. Um, Fell Seal, a game I put off from last year. I bought on the Super Cheap. That's basically Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen or Final Fantasy Tactics. It's literally a game where you combine, you build characters up in classes and they switch to different jobs. So, so like, I've got an Astromancer, I've got a Scoundrel, I've got a Ranger Scoundrel. Everybody multi-classes. The story's not real strong, but the character progression is really fucking cool. <laughs> okay. Um, so I was, I put on here that I'd only had about two hours. I'm now at about ten hours into that game. Yeah. I've literally been playing it every lunch break this week. It looks, it. I mean, from just from some screenshots, I'm pulling these up as you're pulling, yeah, as you're telling them because, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still catching up. You're in a Final Fantasy bubble. Yes, but to me, what that, what it reminds me of is Final Fantasy Tactics. Well, Ogre Battle inspired Final Fantasy Tactics. Well, 
Yes, and and, and ogre bat ogre ta- tactics ogre does a better job still in my mind than tactics. No blasphemy! All right, no, tactics no, ogre's the original, the OG man. I I know, but I'm you know, the uh, I'm, I'm a Final Fantasy guy. It uses a lot of the same systems. It's just that like there's unlockable classes. Oh, so Final Fantasy. Tactics yeah, no, ogre. I'm just saying like in this very much like Final Fantasy. So yeah. like. It doesn't use the same classes, right? You don't got like a fire mage. You've got a your wizard's an elementalist, right? Um, but I'm building him into a time mage, which gives me a lot of debuffs. Huh. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. The big thing it does different than Tactics Ogre and Final Fantasy Tactics um, is that your potions and stuff are single use that mission, but recharge in between missions. Okay. So incentivizes you to use them, and as you get components from the monsters and characters you're beating, you can go back and use those components to create additional potions that are, you know, mission use only, but come back. Okay. Right? I basically got a phoenix down that I now have two phoenix down. So start with one, and then now I've got two. And it's leveled up, so now it gives 25% health back when I bring somebody back, so they don't just immediately die. Your characters die, they get an injury, and that injury reduces their stats, so you have to play a mission in between without them in your roster to put them back to a good status, which means you need to go and recruit a few characters and build up a couple of teams at a time. Right. Have somebody that can rotate in and out. Yeah. I I remember, I mean, these types of games, they've always really interested me because they, they're tactical in a different way. It's, you know, you have different elevations. So if you have a, uh, so you have a ranged character, if the enemy is, higher than you, you don't have near as much reach shooting up. But if you're higher than them, you have way longer reach. Uh, it plays on those systems. Yeah, it, it, so if you, do you remember a game called uh, uh, Valiant Hearts? Yeah, I, I didn't play a lot of it, but I do remember it. So that was one of the very first ones that I got into that was this type of style. And then Final Fantasy Tactics came out and just basically rocked my fucking brain. Um, if you're a Final Fantasy Tactics guy, yeah, this just grabs all that nostalgia, except it does things that better than Tactics. So the economy has a real use. Um, buying stuff is good for your characters. You're going to get some drops, but it, it encourages you to grind levels. It says you don't have to. I found the fights to be incredibly difficult without grinding. So every one of the points in the map, you can go back and replay it says patrol, and it'll throw a random assortment of enemies based on the level that that area was Right. that you can fight and basically level up your characters. And your characters that are on the bench get passive XP, okay. so they don't get too far behind. Awesome. So they're always getting XP one way or the other. Your entire team's always getting XP. There's It also has a shitload of customization for your characters, so you can... It doesn't make you just use their default outfit you can just completely randomize it nice um from everything from just like you've got the head slot and then the body slot and then the face slot like there's a strong assortment of beards which is a big plus for me (laughs) of course um so but yeah um if you played final fantasy tactics i actually feel like it's a more refined tactics game than final fantasy tactics that's pretty good that's pretty good. It is a really fucking solid game. It's super fucking cheap right now. I think ten bucks right now. Am I right, or is it five bucks? Um, Steam is currently ten dollars. It was the quote unquote pricier game that I bought, but it was something I've had on my wish list for a while. 
The very last of the indies I'm going to talk about is called Hard Space Shipbreaker. Ooh, okay. So I've heard of this. Actually bought this before the sale. Um, I'm not knowing it was going to go, but it was $16.99 on Green Man. So that was my higher point buy. Um, worth it. It's made by the Homeworld guys. And they, what they couldn't do is they couldn't acquire the license for Homeworld. So they started a new universe. So Hard Space is a universe. Shipbreaker is the game in the universe. And this is supposedly to kind of catapult them into creating a new franchise. But the base game is you... This is one of those weird games where you're doing a job that ends up being fun. It's a puzzle. That's what it is. It's a reverse jigsaw. Yes. You're taking a part of ship with lasers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and is the sound effects are very satisfying. And... The oh fuck moments are pretty satisfying. It's basically gives you, so it starts you off the tutorial and kind of explains everything, right? It gives you a ship to disassemble. And then after that, you're trying to pay off your $1 billion debt. Of course. And it's every mission only nets you, right now my missions are netting me between 5 and $10 million. But I'm trying to pay off my $1 billion debt. So I've got my debt down to $960 million so far <laughs> at about five hours. But I'm realizing that the better I get at it, I you get unlocks for your tools, basically, that make your job faster and easier. And also makes some of the ships give you a better profit. So it gives you a series of objectives. I need to harvest the reactor. I need to get um, so many seats out of the ship. I need to get um, some fuel tanks or whatever, right? I need to get some uh, engines. And that'll be your objectives, and that gives you basically experience points to put into your equipment so for unlocks, um, which you use so that you can have better gear to work with. So you have better laser scissors. Yeah. Uh, it uses, it's a very intuitive system on how you take apart the ship. So you use these things called tethers to pull apart the bigger parts. And so you've got a net below you that you drop everything into. It's like a laser net or whatever, right? An uh -huh. energy-filled net. And then you've got something to a furnace to melt shit down and a scrapper that gets components that don't need to be netted. So <clears throat> there's points inside the ship that are kind of marked with like hazard lines uh -huh. that are your easy points that you know that you can you can blow those apart and that'll start to deconstruct the ship or pull things apart. And typically what you do is you go into an airlock, you depressurize the whole ship, and then once you're in the ship, you... Typically, whatever direction is facing the barge, you cut the bottom out of the ship and then pull stuff out of it into that net. And that's on the easier ones. On the harder ships, there's a whole hole surrounding a box, basically. So you disassemble parts of that hole across the ship uh -huh. and to get into the bits to pull out into the net or whatever to make sure you hit your objectives. You work in shifts. So the shifts are all 15 minutes long. And in those 15 minutes, you're, it, it'll say on the timer one or two or three or four days or whatever, right? Right. Just how many shifts you can use to meet the objectives. After that, it's free play in 15-minute sh uh, shifts. But every shift costs you, because you're renting your equipment, half a million dollars. Oh, so you shit. need to make sure that you're going to make a half a million dollars before you commit to a shift. Wow. So you kind of get used to what stuff costs because it itemizes everything you pull out of the ship to tell you a cost of what it is, right? Carvesting a reactor is incredibly complex. Like, there's a whole puzzle inside of this, right? Like, the reactor is, I need to turn off the fuel lines. I need to then disconnect all the fuel lines. I need to then make sure that the 
reactor is powered off properly, and then I need to cut it free. And then once I cut it free, there's a timer before that thing fucking explodes. <laughs> and I've got to pull it, thread it out of the ship and onto the cargo net, right? Um, there's a lot of things like I found some tricks with coolant tanks. So if I destroy a coolant tank with a laser, it'll make some things that are previously unsliceable now sliceable because it frees them, froze them. So now I can slice certain pieces that I couldn't with my laser before to get stuff apart faster by actually blowing those up because they don't give me that much money anyway. Huh. So you start to get figure out tips and tricks like you can use your hand to stabilize you. You're in zero G. Right. So like even if you use the split laser, it actually pushes you back. So you can kind of stabilize yourself on a part of the ship and then scissor stuff apart or use the regular laser to cut different points. But you could superheat stuff and just completely melt it off, too, to get to different components, which is sometimes what I end up doing. But it turns into a huge, weird jigsaw puzzle game where you're cutting stuff apart, and it's just... It's work, but it's not work. It's just really satisfying to play. And because the shifts are 15 minutes, that means I can get through two shifts on lunch break. So it was lunch break, the game, for quite a while. And it's something I'll probably go back to more extensively. It's very satisfying to play. It's very satisfying to play, but you have to be. I like. I like doing. I like puzzles, right? In a cool setting. That's basically what it is. It's a puzzle in a cool setting, right? You know. You know what would be really fucked? Just imagine that game in VR. Yeah, they would make you sick as fuck because it's all zero G shit. But, like, if if there was a way to actually make that work, I mean, it basically has a VR. Headspace, it would be very easy for them to set in VR. Right. Do I mean the, what I'm looking at? Of course, I'm all I'm already like thinking this would be really cool to just kind of like have that Dead Space style laser, right? And fucking cut shit apart. But you know the idea of it is the, the sound effects G. are really good, and so like through my subwoofer, that laser just has a good. To it when it's when you're cutting stuff. <laughs> yeah, nice. it's no. So this is this is one that uh, I think you had talked about previously. Yeah, it just it came up on my Green Man list. I keep a wish list on Green Man too for when stuff's going to go on sale. I saw it and I was like, "That's out." Sixteen ninety nine. I have nothing to play right now. Yes, and then Steam sale happened like a week later. Oh. Bummer. But it's actually was cheaper on Green Man than it was in the Steam sale. Yeah, see, right now on Steam it's uh, it's twenty bucks. Uh, so I think it's still sixteen ninety nine on Green Man. Uh, it's a Steam key too. It was just it was an easy buy. Yeah, that's going on the list. Um, mainly because it kind of fits my idea like i do need to actually get away from what i'm doing currently um which is playing final fantasy 14 until i pass out of the keyboard uh so but not a lot is really not not a lot has just grabbed me like for you out of everything i've talked about fell seal and this were the two that i thought would probably grab your attention the most and those are the, that and I'm interested in, in most, but like I'm, I, I have to get into a, a mood for that style, that style of game. Uh, but <clears throat> Felseal and uh, and Shipbreaker definitely fits the. You can, uh, 
Well, and it's it's easy to pace yourself too, right? Like if mm-hmm. I know I'm completing an objective in 15 minutes, I know I'm going to play the full play session, right? Right. You True. know, no matter what I'm doing, if I was getting up and playing this before work for a while, <laughs> I just was having that much fun. But it took a, there was a learning curve to it. The learning curve is flying in zero G and being so floaty and kind of getting used to that. It's learning how to not depressurize incorrectly and get battered by shit. You have a health bar and your ship can get your ship. Your suit can get damaged. And it is kind of scary. Like I had stuff hit my visor and then I had a hole in my visor. Oh. And we watched my O2 meter just certainly start to drop, and you hear like the choking noise, like the very uh, oh no, uh, what was that movie? Total Recall. Yeah, I felt like I was about to total recall out there in space. Oh my gosh! And so there's some moments like that, some oh shit moments, and you get damaged by stuff like you're pulling a battery out and it's electrocuting everything, and then your headset or your ship, your ship, your suit starts playing like random country music after you got electrocuted <laughs> and shit. <laughs> It, that's funny as fuck. Um, <laughs> and it has a Space Cowboy th- soundtrack the whole way through. Okay. Um, it I mean, just, it, it makes sense. And it's got a sense of humor about itself, talking about your huge debt. You also recover these weird audio logs that talk about the environment and the world and everything else. Like, it's, I feel like it's a, you know, it's a Kickstarter game. It's got pretty decent graphics um, that they're really using as a cornerstone to start building into a certain universe for something else. But this core mechanic for the game is just fun. And all the ship designs are very much Homeworld, so it'll probably feel familiar if you've played Homeworld as well. But I just, I can't tell you how satisfying it is to pull, like, whole jet turbines off things and throw them in the net. Or, like, figure out how to thread things or cut things apart or crawl through weird spaces to get to things to, like, start pulling panels off. Like, there's just a weird amount of satisfaction that comes from that game. <laughs> Some of these reviews are fucking gold, though. I think it's universally pretty well liked, but I started playing it before I had reviews. Um, I've literally been playing it since it's been a- available. That's right. You can escape your painful life by living someone else's painful life, but in space. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> so other things to be looking forward to. And then I don't. We should probably break before we talk about the next thing. Yeah. Um, Seven Days to Die Alpha Nineteen is an experimental and available for download, and should be out of experimental soon. Nice. Um, my buddy TJ's already got a server space that he rented. It is playing experimental, so I may jump on that a little bit next week. Cool. Um, we'll see. Um, Fallout seventy six continues to grow stronger. Um. They just started the seasons, and it's got this... I haven't really played it very much, but basically everything you do in the game kind of contributes towards your season progress, which has different either cosmetic or actual unlocks for your camp. Um, cool. So it's got this weird game board that you can go to in the map screen, and that shows you what you need to do to kind of get to the next level of that. So there's like a seasonal progress. It's turning into like a weird Destiny game. Um, okay. that's what it feels like at this point. There's not really a lot of raids, but the, the events are a lot stronger and I'm finding like they just started like group teams with on the map. So I wanted to earn extra XP. So I just jumped in somebody's huge ass team. Um, and that team was helping me get extra XP. And then those same guys were jumping in with me with the really hard events. So I was attacking a, it's called a, 
It's a, an Assaultron Sheep Squatch. It's an Assaultron with a Sheep Squatch hat on it. Okay. Uh, the Sheep Squatch is a weird sheep Sasquatch thing that's just deadly. Anyways, there's an Assaultron dressed up as a Sheep Squatch that was that took like 20 people in power armor. So like when I started the event, the people in my group instantly jumped in the event. And then everybody that was on the map jumped on the event. And it was just like fucking chaos. It was like 20 people like fighting around these poles that are electrified. And you got to get two people standing around the poles. And there's all these ibops that are bombs that are kind of rush in. And then you've got this Assaultron that's cloaked and regaining infinite shields until you have two people standing next to these pylons, which then drop his shields. And then everybody attacks him. But there's just like mini guns and lasers and all it's like a fucking futuristic battlefield going on for like 15 minutes is just pure fucking chaos erupts around this fucking assaultron and people dying and reviving like all around you as everybody drops as soon as the fucking assaultron focuses on them and like fucking eye beams them um but got some cool rewards out of this random event i unlocked as part of a quest uh, i've got this weird sheep squatch head thing that i've got wearing right now Got a sheep head with like ram's horns on it, with this crazy woolly man. Like, it looks like a Zeus mane. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> okay. And it's, I've been purposely not wearing the helmet on my power armor because I just feel like it looks cool as shit. Because I don't give a fuck. It looks cool as shit, so I'm gonna do it. Um, but yeah, that seems to be getting better. Um. They're really putting a lot of stuff into it. And I've got some follow-up news for the new section, so stay tuned for that. But let's take a break, and we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. We are. After a short break, I've got um, some things and stuff to talk about. We've got some minor news. Stuff and things. Um, in the uh, three and a half weeks I've been gaming, um, I did come across another game that I'm sure every other podcast has talked about um, that has some interesting controversy. What's so, that? Last of Us 2. Of course. Um, Everybody's talked about that. Yeah, and it's gotten review bombed pretty hard. Let me explain why people are review bombing it. Okay. It's not just Ellie's story, the character that was left off from in uh, Last of Us, the first one. Uh-huh. It goes through more than her, and a big chunk of the game is not her. Okay. So, I won't go into who. Um, okay. The other part of it is there was somebody who spoiled a couple of chunks. It's really the person who spoiled it, spoiled who the character was and what kind of happened with part of that story arc. And it was mostly true on the spoiler. But there's no reason to review bomb a pretty good game. Um, there's nothing that's going to beat the first scene in Last of Us 1 of the kid like dying and the sad music and everything else, which was like an actual tearjerker. Right. So they do it in different ways. Okay. So there's a whole lot of guitar playing in the game. Uh-huh. And the guitar playing... You can actually play some real songs with, which is kind of crazy, but it, it shows it's got like four chords at a time that you can play, and it kind of highlights the one you should play, but I've 
dicked around with it enough to do other things. Of course you did. I was like, what song could I play? <laughs> so I start dicking around with it. What other th- songs have four chords that are C, D, G, E? Right? Um, <laughs> of course you fucked around with it. So, and there's no time limit to it, so, like, why not? Like, once you complete the sequence it wants you to, then it moves on, so you can't dick around with it anymore. But I dicked around with it a lot. A couple of times, though, the like the foundation of the story when it gets started is really, really, really strong. Um, had me like actually kind of moving. It's extremely cinematic um, in a good way. Okay. Um, just when it's doing world building moments, it does it with kind of interactive cutscenes. Um, uh, it's like if David, Dave, uh, the people that did Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain and stuff like that. Uh-huh. It's like if he was actually really good at storytelling instead of just doing <laughs> really cool scenes and stuff with cinematics. Right. Like, Heavy Rain's a decent game, but the storytelling's kind of garbage and pretty cliche. But still fun in a way, right? This These guys are really good. It's Naughty Dog. Like, Naughty Dog's done Uncharted, and Uncharted is the best non-Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones story ever. Okay. I can I can get with that. Um. Last of Us similarly has extremely strong writing, um, culturally relevant. Relevant. Um, it doesn't feel like. Let's get something straight. Like, and I'm not going to get political here at all, but um, help me because I'm a little bit tired. What is it? What is it when a brand bandwagons with, with the social climate to get more? Um, SJW. No, 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 not quite SJW. Okay. Anyways, it's not like just getting, it's basically just making it current. Does that make sense? Right. Like not overly culturally sensitive, not overly in a way like just blasting it from the rooftops. It just doesn't make it feel dated. Does that make sense? Like there's not anything that's like if you're gay and you're playing this game, like it will feel normal. Right. If you're a person who isn't gay and playing this game, it will feel normal. It won't feel weird like they're just blasting stuff at you to make it culturally relevant. Right. Right. So, but it has stories with gay characters in it that don't feel like ham-fisted in to say that we've got gay characters in a game. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think I understand. It's it's not being overtly SJW, but still has. It's not like. It's not like a brand saying that we stand with a cultural stance so that people buy their product, right? Right. Um, and I can't remember what that's called for the life of me. I'm just too tired at this point. And I'm not political on this show at all either, right. but it's just I noticed it and said this will not stand out 10 years from now as being weird, as some games do, right, with having a token character. Right. And yeah. it, that's what I'm trying to get at. There's nothing token about the game. It's just it. it's sensitive enough that it makes it feel like it's not ham-fisted in. It just makes it feel normal, which, I mean, it really is. <laughs> it is, but it's just I feel like movies, TV shows, right, and sometimes video games have token characters. Yeah. So, right, like I want representation in a game. So here's your token character to feel like you have representation in our game. Which seems really fucking ham-fisted, right? Right. And it's normally over-the-top or stereotypical. Yes. Yeah. This doesn't have any of that. Right. But it does have... There's cultural representation within the game that doesn't feel 
fisted in. <laughs> right? Just don't fist it. It's not fisted, right? Um, and it plays out naturally and well, right? Like it should. Right. Yeah. And I I appreciated that, but that's not really the reason that it, like I'm... I just, I feel like the game does such a good job of telling a story that it's really worth playing. And it's not really all about infected or zombies, or it's really about the people around it and not in how Walking Dead kind of got tired with it. Like, it doesn't feel like that. A lot of what's driving the story has nothing, I mean, it has a little bit to do with the infected, but they're the backdrop for the apocalypse. Right. They're present, but they're not the main threat. The The humans are the worst part of it. Right. Um, and they always will be. Yeah. <laughs> but, so. but just saying, like, the, the only thing I dislike about the game is it's so intense that I can't play it. I mean, there are days I played it for eight hours a day, uh-huh. right? Which is why I have about 15, 16 hours in it right now. But I had to stop for a, while, a minute because it's kind of, it's a depressing as fuck game. It's a very, very somber story about how things change when you're under lots of duress. Right. And so, like, I feel like it's a very serious game was with moments of levity. But because it's so intense, like, it, and sometimes over the top with how difficult or crazy it is, um, it can be kind of emotionally draining. I've, I've played games like that before. Uh, and... I don't know that I've played... Last of Us 1 had some of this. This is like double the length of Last of Us 1. So, and it's... It's just intense as fuck. Yeah, you can only get kicked in the nads so many fucking times before you start fucking like just instinctively curling up. Well, and it plays on a survival aspect really hard. So, the first one did this fairly well. For example, my rifle I have... I got to think about it. Maybe 10 shots, right? That's mm-hmm. the maximum I can carry on my rifle. Um, my regular, basically 9mm that, you know, they're not calling any kind of brand, um, carries about 16 shots, but it really takes a headshot to kill something with one shot. So several body shots, right? right. Um, my hand cannon, which is basically like a 44 Magnum, or it really actually looks more like a 357 in the extended barrel. But, anyways, it's two full uh revolver cylinders right like right. two full two full six shooters yeah that's what i got right right my shotgun i've got five in it and then i've got another five spare right so like you basically have a full like one extra magazine think of it that way right with everything that i have like my rifle is bolt action right okay so what it really wants you to do is not rely, use your weapons when things get chaotic, but really use your stealth and your abilities to get through things and not necessarily always kill everything, right? There's an example, and I won't say where it is, but there was a point where there was I was getting attacked by lots of troops, but I was also in the dark, and there was a whole bunch of clickers. Clickers are still in it, and clickers were the weird blind creatures that used echolocation like a bat to find you. Okay. Right, so as long as you don't, you move really slow, they can't find you, and as long as you're not right in front of them, they can't find you. But you can get behind them and stealth kill them. They're also drawn to loud noises, so I had flashbangs, and I'm in the pure dark, right? And I'm using my hearing sight, basically my my daredevil sight, right? And 
I was throwing flashbangs in the middle of these troops and then drawing in waves of clickers to kill the troops off for me so I could get through the area instead of dicking around with the troops. And okay. it wasn't something the game told me to do. It's just I knew that they were attracted to distractions, right? So you can throw a rock anytime you want, and the rock will, like, divert their attention. But throwing a flashbang would draw, like, five or six of them, which is exactly what I wanted to do. So I could throw a flashbang, and then I see them, like, breaking windows and, like, scrambling towards the sound of the flashbang. And then soldiers firing guns, like, all over the place, trying to fight them off, um, which... Just the natural chaos of that, how the AI played off of that, was really fucking cool. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, the combat can get really intense sometimes. It's actually the story that's really fucking intense. Um, that really hits you in the nads kind of over and over again. And I don't think you could, like, if you wanted to marathon this and not sleep for, like, two days, like, I think you could do it. I just think you'd come out of it wanting to hug puppies for, like, three or four days. <laughs> And being in isolation already, like, it kind of wears on my soul a little bit. Yeah. So, since I got to that 16-hour mark, I've distracted myself with a lot of other things, and I plan on easing back into this again next week. Yeah, it's, uh, I I watch people, I mean, I, I don't want to uh, ruin the story for myself, because I, I do plan on playing through uh, these games at some point, right? I I just haven't. Did you play Uncharted? I well, Uncharted. Yeah, I never got Uncharted from you, so. Uh, you need to see. So I was one of those people that kind of like put Naughty Dog in a category of bro gamer or popular game, right? Uh -huh. There's a reason those games are popular. They're really fucking good, right? And it's not just the gameplay. the The weakest part of the Naughty Dog game so far has actually been the action, right? Um, the strongest part has actually been the puzzle solving and the storytelling. No, I like, I really like Sully as a character in Uncharted. And I can remember the name of the character because I fucking love that character in those games, right? So, I mean, I, I watched uh, a, a couple scenes while Jason was playing uh, of Uncharted. And, I mean, just, just the idea. There was one point where he pulls out a map, pulls out a fucking Sharpie, tells the chick to turn around, uses her back to fucking, like, write on the map, but puts the cap in his mouth, and you could tell that the voice actor put a cap in his mouth and spoke the lines because it sounded just like that. And that, uh, and I I just watched that scene, and I'm like, holy fuck. Like, that makes fucking sense. It sounds like it makes sense, and it and it and it was. It just well, Naughty Dog's a, a studio that has very few games in their library, mm -hmm. but they do what they do really well. Right. And I just and it and it's just uh, the only reason why I hadn't played it was because of availability. Like I didn't have a PlayStation for the longest fucking time, right? And yeah, I mean. I would love to see those fucking games like updated for uh, for the uh, for a PS5, but I, and I plan on getting a PS5. By the way, that is I think that is one my thing you can choice. count on is I don't think Uncharted the first one is the most dated, but it still looks good enough to play on a PS4, right? And still look good, right? But like those games also were engine defining as far as how they looked, right? Um, two still holds up extremely well i've played that a little bit of that actually recently this year yeah 
But um, it's just. And Last of Us got updated for PS4 because it barely ran on a PS3. It was it was the the biggest thing be you know for Last of Us and the Uncharted games was I didn't have a PlayStation, and then even once I got a PlayStation, I started to move away from consoles in general, just because they didn't have the power that I wanted in you know in the. I would put I would pit Last of Us against any PC game out there right now in the way that it looks. They've optimized that to run on that system so well. Like it is, it's, it's it's like a square game. Right. It's just, I, I, I need it to be not a fucking PlayStation exclusive, or I need a machine that at least matches what I've got from PC for me to really migrate. And if I've you're been, bored, I mean, I've got the last of us remaster. If you're ever just curious on what that's like. Right. I I've I've been curious, but it's also I have to dust off the you know the consoles. Yeah, if you just have to get past the zombies thing because you know whatever technically what they are or are not like it's they're, more like they're zombies. They're just fungus zombies, right? <laughs> I mean, I understand the premise of the game, and I understand you know I, I know understand what the game's going to entail. I just haven't actively if you if you break it down to super base components mm-hmm. it's a stealth action survival game right but the main component is storytelling right I, I just i've stayed away from spoilers this long i can stay away from spoilers for you know for a little bit longer what got me from you know for last of us 2 i mean i have watched a few bits of of things you know just more reaction videos and more of what you saw from the trailer really is basically what I what I was able to see. A couple gameplay you know situations where uh, uh, some fights happened, but I really didn't catch any story from that. It was just basically like moving through a building, you know, killing dudes. Right. Well, it does something really weird. Like all the enemies have names. Okay, that kind of messes with your brain a little bit. Yeah, it makes you feel weird about killing because it takes away the faceless enemy. All of them are unique. There's no repeated enemies except for the infected. Oh, that's nice. They start freaking out when people die. Like um, crying and flipping out and going nuts when people get killed. That's not okay. That's it's, why I say it's emotionally it just drains you. Okay. Yeah, so there was, it, it makes you feel like you're getting out of a war zone when you're done playing that game. So so there's there was one uh one video clip that I saw and I'm and I'm not even sure of the streamer's name, but it was a streamer, I think it was, you know, like an Asian streamer that uh that was playing Last of Us 2. Uh and he stopped at some point and I'm pretty sure you could identify the point, but it was like like one of those that punches you in the fucking nads points, right? And he just stopped playing the game, pulled the fucking disc out, broke it on stream, threw it over his fucking shoulder, and moved on with his day. <laughs> He's like, "I'm done with this. I can't even fucking continue." It was, uh, I th- it was uh, South Korean, more, more of a reactionary thing. It was a South Korean uh, uh, streamer, if I remember correctly, uh, and uh, and it just. I mean, there, there were. It was a super sensitive situation, and and I know that there was. I don't know if there's something in there that like 
culturally doesn't work with them, but he was like, I'm done, and broke the fucking Well, there's a couple of, like, torture scenes that are really fucking intense, too. That's probably it. I think that that might have been the point. Um, Um, Yeah, and it some of those are pretty... Sometimes, too, the game really balances the gameplay out with, oh, everything's normal, everything's going great, and, like, fucking catastrophe. Right. Um, Right? Like, the curveball after curveball after curveball, right? And then moments where you're really getting into the story or the characters, and they're having a really good time, mixed with how much the world is changing them and how much it's fucking them up in the head, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so the game's all about that kind of stuff and those types of themes, and it's it's heavier than the first game by by a factor of of two, I think. Like no hyperbole. Like it's so far a more solid game than the first one. Um, I just I want to beat it, but it it's going to take me time. It's just it's a very intense game. Huh. Yeah. Easily going to sit in my top five. I I don't know anything else like it that's affected me. When a game affects you like in a weird, like in a way that a, like a really good movie or a really good book affects you, mm-hmm. that's how this has affected me. Like, there's a lot to it. Okay, I mean that. That's great, man. And the people that are poo pooing on it, like I just get over yourselves. Fuck, uh, I'm there's not... not very much that ever comes out like this. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, most of the uh, most of the people that I've seen enjoy the you know enjoy it. It's they say it's a roller coaster, and they said, uh, and they said that you're just gonna have to like, you know, mentally put yourself into a position. But well, when it comes to like really great games, I think about games that are on this level would be like a Witcher three kind of thing. I mean, I but Witcher felt... three is a little bit lighter on the story. Yeah, a little well... bit more levity than this. Well, trust me, there really is. <laughs> okay. Um. This is better at its storytelling, but Witcher is a lot more open-ended. This attempts, this, the only knock on it is it drags sometimes because the areas are bigger and there's more ways to solve problems and more ways to get around things. And so it sometimes takes you a few tries to figure something out. That's good. I mean, that's, ultimately I think that's a, that's a good thing. You know, especially. You're going to get your 60 bucks worth out of this. Yeah. Even if it was half the length, if it was this high quality, it would still be worth 60 bucks. See, I, I, I'm I'm going to big brain this. I'm going to get the PlayStation 5 and get it on the cheap. <laughs> or, I'll, or I'll get it as a part of a, like a collection or something, you know? Maybe. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah, they probably do a Last of Us collection here in the next several months or a year or something. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be, that would be, you know, perfect for me. I'm interested to see, like, for, uh, you know, to uh to kind of bring in the uh the PlayStation 5 and the next gen stuff um the idea of what they're going to do with you know previous you know previous games like uncharted or uh or last of us and have those types of collections that would be then playable on the PlayStation 5 um how I mean PlayStation 5 could just be backwards compatible like they're doing with the Xbox whatever uh I think that's kind of the plan, but the uh, the you know, the idea is maybe getting them into uh, into that ecosystem will make it a little bit easier for me to go back and play some of the games that I missed on the PlayStation, you know, that were PlayStation exclusives. Uh, and you have my old PlayStation, don't you? Yes, 
and I have I had to think about that a second. And and I have problems with PlayStation. Mainly that it's fucking slow as piss. Um <laughs> it really it really bothers me. Uh and and that's what I what I chose to do is and I said I was gonna play Final Fantasy Seven Remake. What I chose to do is wait. I was going to wait until the PlayStation 5 comes out. Then I'm going to pick uh, pick up all the fucking PlayStation games that I, you know, that I missed previously and play them with a PlayStation 5. That's, you know, that's twofold. I want the PlayStation 5 for everything that's going to come out for it. Um, and it also will kind of fix some of the load time issues that I have with all the games that are currently, you know, you know, in the backlog as far as PlayStation. So, uh, that's kind of the idea behind it, but to uh, to kind of tie into the whole PlayStation Five and next gen consoles, I, I got some. Uh, I, I saw a a news article, uh, a couple news articles that are reporting uh, that Two uh, K Games is uh, trying to do a uh, a price pioneering scheme. I think. What the uh, what the situation is is uh, 2K21, uh, the NBA 2K21 franchise uh, of games. Uh, they came out and basketball said... Basketball the Game this year's edition. Right, Basketball the Game this year's edition from 2K. Um, they came out and said that their MSRP for it is going to be $70. Yeah, fuck that in the asshole. So 2K has a, uh, you know has a reputation for like pretty much you know jumping into people's wallets and stealing as much as mo- uh, as much money as possible as far as like uh predatory DLC campaigns for their you know You for know their how much it costs to like if you need to buy everything for Civ 6 right now uh-huh it's like fucking $150 well I mean that's that's expansions and yeah, yeah, they ain't worth that much. Yeah, I don't know, I know, I know. It's it's, it's like every different like but, dynasty or whatever that you add to the game is like eight bucks or ten bucks, and then the official expansion on sales like forty bucks, right? But you can also decide to just wait for their fucking gold edition and get it all at once. Um, no, you can't. That newest expansion. Uh-huh. Requires you buy the last expansion in order to get it, so that's two expansions at forty bucks. Yeah, but whoever uh, who buys that all at once? I mean, without waiting, like when Civ Five I was came do out it on the fucking Steam sale, and I realized I still got to spend sixty bucks. Oh, Civ Five came out with their fucking Ultimate Edition. That's what you know. It came with all the DLCs for the price of. I don't one think game. they're doing it with this one. Oh well, whatever. Uh, then they won't get their uh, get my money. This, the the point that's is, the whole reason I haven't like expanded on it. Because fucking two K has been money grubbing assholes. So the the yeah the point is though, uh, uh, the biggest issue with them is uh, their in per uh, in game purchases and their DLCs. You know, were basically under the loot box scrutiny. Uh, they were also under the gambling scrutiny because they had fucking pachinko machines and fucking, like, you know, uh, other shit, right? On sale, I can get the rest of the DLC for Civ Six for eighty three ninety six. Oh, that sounds like a goddamn deal. Fuck um, that. <laughs> so, uh, so, that, all of the in-game purchases aside, the idea of a $70 video game, 
any video game at seventy dollars. I it's mean, it's not the, a special edition. The current, you know, the current MSRP for the standard edition of games is fifty nine ninety nine in the U.S. Um, you know, so sixty dollars is already a you know a standard price. We've had that and price it's a for fucking a fucking hard price for me still to. I mean, here's the thing: I'll spend sixty dollars on a paycheck on games, mm-hmm. but I'm getting like two three, or three yeah, or three four. Games. Right, like that's that's how I'm gonna do it. That's why I got all the games that I talked about. Right, right. Like ten games on sale, aside from Heart Heart Space Shipbreaker for like thirty five bucks. Right, and that's and and that is kind of the idea. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the idea behind a lot of the Steam sales is sure you are waiting six months to a year, or you're buying indie games. Um, that uh, that normally MSRP for like twenty bucks for like ten, you know, yeah, the, ten or five is usually what I pay. Right. So you're looking at you know a bunch of games on the cheap, but they're still quality games. They may be shorter than say the AAA titles or anything like that. But um, not always. Not yeah, not always. And Fell Seal looks like it's like an ADR game. Replayability of these games, you know, is better than the cinematic, you know, or, you know, tons of money thrown at a fucking, you know, a a franchise just to make it look pretty in the AAA space. The idea, though, is that nobody else has really come out and said that they're going to do $70 MSRPs for any other game. It's just if this fucking sells, everybody else is going to jump on that bandwagon. That's exactly the situation. And they too. chose a game that a bunch of fucking Myrmidons are going to pick up. <laughs> so, so the sorry, NBA... I, there's I know there's sports gamers that play other things, but right. I also know we grew up in an age where there were a handful of people that got a console to buy Madden. Right. That'd be my uncle. Right, right. He every year buys fucking Madden. He's in his fifties and he's still buying fucking Madden. That's all he buys on his fucking console. I don't get it. Yeah, and there's people that only play sports games on there. And, of course, considering this year's sports has basically been canceled because of what's going on in the fucking world, right? Uh, the idea is, is sports games are going to be even more special because there isn't any live games to watch. So you're going to want to get in on whatever sports you can. And one of the things that you can do with these kinds of games is let AI versus AI and sit there and watch it like a fucking basketball game on TV. You know, that's how they simulate the fucking Super Bowl, for instance. Um, Just to kind of give you an idea, I am worried because you're going to see a you know a possible $10 price increase and of course they're saying the word value a lot you know you're getting uh you know increased you know uh increased fidelity and you know better you know better frame rates and more technology with the next gen consoles and value 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 yeah but all this stuff is such a weird time like in the middle of a 40 million people without a job in our country Right? You're going to raise right. prices on something? Like, I was seriously wondering if they were going to delay the console releases because it seems like a climate where you don't want to release a $500 product. Well, it just means that it's going to be a $500 product for longer, is all. 
Uh, well, like even Xbox has got the one that's online only. Right. Right, that at a completely reduced price. And I think that will probably outsell whatever premium product they have by a long shot. It's possible. I mean, you know, there's going to be... People are going to... People are holding on. I'm one of the people that's holding on to money. Right. I still have not spent anything from that stimulus. You know, well, neither have it's I. It's been sitting in the bank this entire time. Neither have I. I've either... I've decided it's either going to be a, you know, PlayStation 5 or a new video card for my computer. That's... And I really don't need a video card for the computer. For me, so. it's... The price of food has gone up so much, I haven't been able to save money for getting married. So, it's part of the, I'm getting married at some point fund. Right. You know, it's it's just uh, you know I I worry because I don't want to see new game prices jump up to seventy dollars because that means that I will have to wait even longer to get a good deal on you know on a game. I'm already looking at you know waiting for games to drop to about thirty thirty three percent is about where I start looking to shop at uh, at games. You know what so I bought at sixty dollars this year? Uh, what? I mean, I remember playing one game at sixty dollars. You got Doom Eternal, and I got Last of Us Two, and that's everything it. else has been on sale. Yep. I mean, that's and and I even had buyer's remorse on Doom Eternal. If that tells you anything, you know the you know I really didn't want to spend the sixty dollars on you know on Doom Eternal. I'm, I'm still waiting for it to go cheaper. I listen to a lot of other game shows and game shows video game podcast right and listening to right and i'll plug them at the end again but bmf cast or not bmf cast no quarter same guys um mackie got that game too and mackie and me are at a pretty similar skill level we're basically middle-aged adults that play video games right that are decent at them but not twitch streamer good at them right and he was saying that Doom Eternal feels like it's designed for somebody who's close to a pro gamer. And he didn't like the game loop that well. And you were in the same place where it was so difficult that you like you didn't finish it, did you? No, I finished it. It was, um, but I can tell you that it took quite a few tries at the you know at the end boss on the normal difficulty, and everything was so fucking fast. Like everything moved really quickly. To the point where you kind of had to train yourself to have a lot of twitch movement, you know? That kind of stuff when I've been working all day. Right. Wears on my hands. You old bastard. No, you. I'm being honest, right? <laughs> like, if I've been working my ass off all day, I can't put myself in a place where something drains me because I'm having to put too much effort into it. Yeah. Right? Like, I can go through methodical hard like Dark Souls, but I mm -hmm. can't go through wear out my controller hard. Yeah. It, right? Like, one of the reasons I can't finish in, uh, Enter the Gungeon is just, it's... Oh, that's bullet hell. That's different. Right, but purely reactionary all the time, right. right? I just, I can't do those and have a reasonable amount of fun anymore without taking several days off to only do that. Well, I mean, there was points in Doom Eternal where you basically, you know, you jump like dashing... Pre-shooting pre when yeah. you move? Well, you jump dash everywhere, and, you know, you're always hovering at about, like, you know, less than 50% health, you get down to a, a a low point, like you're one hit from dying, you jump dash away and fucking kill something small just to get some health back so that you can go back, and you're jump dashing all the fucking time. Like, if you don't continually jump dash, um, 
you know, in Doom Eternal, you die. You can't just circle strafe things anymore. You have to fucking dash. Yeah, you know? and that's I just wasn't le- ready for that level of quake. It was fast. I mean, it was really fast paced in games that you know, games that games that wear me out is not something I'm as much into anymore. Right. Well, that it, people who like that kind of really quick like judgment shoot da- jump dash get away a lot of fast movement. It's fun for them, but it's for me. It was one level a night, and that was about all I could fucking take. You know, you know, and it was regular Doom twenty sixteen. A one level a night for me. I I can't even imagine. Yeah, Doom Eternal would have been it would be like one try, and of course there's fucking enemies that just pissed me off. Like there's, oh my god, and I'm looking for like I'm actually. Trent's gonna swing by and bring me a copy of Death Stranding at some point, Ooh. and that I'm gonna dick around with because I can actually see that as being a little bit cathartic. Yeah, you could probably and just like, kind of like I know relax that, to that. It, a weird game that might be actually kind of fun to just kind of fuck around with. See, you know, and that's why I need games like that. Yeah, you you like the slower style games that kind of you know put you in an atmosphere. You know, Doom Eternal kind of throws you into basically a meat grinder. Uh, and you're basically, you know, you're jump dashing through the blades. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, pain, uh, just, th- just the thought of doing, you know, repurchasing Doom Eternal at a new price point of $70, I, I probably wouldn't be able to justify that. I mean, I, don't, I know it's ten dollars. You're like, are you already spending sixty bucks on the? But no, the game. thing is, you're already. We're already not spending sixty dollars right now. That's the right. Deal. And I and I and, and I don't like actually spending sixty dollars when I you know when I do. Yeah. So, like I always instantly think, did I make the right choice when I spend sixty bucks? Right. But I don't do that when I spend. If I spend twenty dollars on a mediocre game, I don't do that. I I only feel good about the sixty dollars if it ends up being something like an XCOM two or something like that. Right. If you spend something, if you spend twenty bucks on a game and it doesn't necessarily meet all of your expectations, you're like, well, okay, well that was the price. That of was me in a pop. Right. That was you me know? picking out at Arby's. Right. You know that was you know th- that was a a poor decision. That was a movie out. You know, situation. Okay, did I get two and a half hours worth of enjoyment out of it? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's about the same price as a movie. Okay, moving on. Right. Um, the, you know, the uh, thing you know, that's happening on the internet right now is people are saying, well, for seventy dollars, it better not have any paid DLC or fucking you know, I guarantee or, it's going to be in there uh, or microtransactions or anything like that. And you best believe that are going to fucking put that shit back in there because, I mean, look at the game industry right now. You can't really, you know, the the amount of games that come out that have no DLC or no microtransactions are like the rarity. You know, those are the uh, those are the diamonds in the rough. Everything else has a microtransaction, a, you know, cash shop purchase, a DLC of some sort that you have to buy into, uh, you know, something like that. I mean, fucking games that I'm currently playing, like fucking Final Fantasy XIV still has all of that. Even though it's a subscription-based game, I bought the game, and then buying a, uh, you know, buying a subscription to continue playing that game, and they have cash shop. So they're not fucking, you know, 
they're they're not immune to this uh the scrutiny it's just you know the uh the idea of uh, of having a game that doesn't have that is you know it, you're you're not going to you're not going to see that the so, game industry is not going to lose billions of dollars from uh, from DLC purchase alone i want to tie together two quick things um a game pass is getting fallout 76 so if you're curious i mean i'm if if it's if it's on game pass i i'm i might install it and i might look at it and they basically have got the best pass on the game right you know the best version of the game that has ever been is right now so totally worth your time on game pass uh, you still have to log into their fucking Bethesda thing, right? No. No? Okay. No. Well, alright. So, I mean, I guess... Here's how, how the works. account works. So. You log in. You don't even log into the game. You just click the button and load it up like a game. It finds a server for you. You're not signing into a server. You're not signing into Bethesda username. You just sign in. Okay. And play the game. Oh, cool. Alright. Um, I mean, if it if it's something, just that know I, that it's a Fallout game that you can't pause. Oh, okay. So, and then you might look at a build online because it is they're working on the respec system soon. But right now, you can't really respec. You won't really fuck up your spec too much in twenty levels. But like once you're past level twenty, you probably should figure out what you like. Okay, well, I'm probably gonna. I probably and I know what I play uh, on most fallouts. And that is, you know, going to be either a pistol or a rifle. So, honestly, melee super worth it if you can get into it. But I hate melee in almost all games. So <laughs> that is, yeah, I've got a <laughs> a build I flip between heavy, super sledge, and uh, well, I've got a, an actual Gatling gun that has multiple rifles on it. Right. Um, the only so game, I'm, I'm heavy guns and melee. The only game that I've I've actually enjoyed melee in is uh, uh, well, God of War games. So and that's and, and that's not necessarily like all full melee. You still had ranged. But yeah, um, that comes out, and then uh, Amazon picked yeah. up a Fallout series that they're putting out. And did a teaser. the The thing that has me excited is it's the people that did Westworld that are doing it. So it's not just some dude, right? It's and, it's a tried and true team with a successful series that's doing it. So the teaser was actually like the the TV. It's like just the, the intro to all the games of the right, TV that the, say "Stay tuned." Yeah, just it was the "Please Stand By" situation, you know, thing. Honestly. I hope they get. Uh, what's that dude from? Um, it's not Cheers, Friends. So one of the main guys in Friends is a Fallout fanatic, and he was one of the main voices in Fallout New Vegas. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of hope he's in it because he claims to have lost several weeks of his life to Fallout 3, and New, which is why he ended up being a part of Fallout New Vegas. Okay. Um, God, I can't remember what his name is. But anyways, um, one of the main characters, Chance, I think. I uh, I'd have to look him up. Matthew Perry. Okay. All right. Well. Anyways, I kind of hope he's a part of it because it, with him being the fan that he is, I'd assume he'd do justice. But 
who knows what the setting is. The the thing about Fallout is it's just the setting, and they could do anything they want with it, and it would work. It's the whole reason the franchise works. You don't have to have a central character. There's there's a couple things that you have to have in a. Uh, you have to have an apocalypse. You have yeah. raiders, yeah. vaults. Okay, I mean, I was gonna go with three different things and power armor. Is is power armor, vault boy, and and you have to have a laser pistol or a laser rifle at some point. Yeah, yeah, you have to have something like that or some kind of junk weapons. Um, it needs to be pretty violent. That's all I gotta say. It's gotta have ghouls in it too. Oh yeah, it's gotta have ghouls in it. So I'm uh, I, I'd be interested to see what they do with it. I mean. I am too. I'm going to at least give the first couple episodes a try and see what it's like. The thing is, is, you know, they could go pretty much anywhere. If you look at the Fallout map, per se, I mean... They just pick a location and go with it. They pick, Yeah, they pick a, a, a location to go with it, but the vaults were all over, you know, and, and it's all in America, right? So uh, they were the vaults were all over America. You know, Vault-Tec had built these places all over the place. So, um... So all they had to do is just basically pick a point on the map and just go with it. And you know They do a really good job with locations too. The every game that's come out has had recognizable callbacks to the setting that they're at. Right. You um, can you can I tell think for like sure. I, on our little private group I found somebody who took a trip to West Virginia mm-hmm. and a lot of the little coal mining towns are all things like the Mothman Museum. Yep. Um they literally used everything from that. Like, the whole setting, the way the Mothman looks, like, everything is directly from the shit you find in West Virginia already. Um, I actually work with somebody from West Virginia and have sneakily given him different things from that game, just thinking, you know, not even saying it's a video game, just saying, I've heard this stuff about West Virginia. Right? It started with the Mothman thing. Right. He told me all about the Mothman. Yeah. And didn't realize how well they did the research. And then I found somebody on Tumblr that did a vacation, took pictures of all these places. The locations that are in 76 are literally almost shot for shot, these places just apocalypticized, <laughs> right? <laughs> Thrown in a video game and just digitized. Di- digitized and, and through tore the fucking up a little bit. Uh, uh, apocalypse paint over it, and boom, you've got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you had to speculate, I... I've what? already got a Prime subscription, so why am I not going to watch it? Right, but if you had to speculate, setting, give me give me an idea of where you would uh, you would see this. Uh, depending on how much money they have, they're going to want to go someplace that they can use mostly the location. Um, they could go back to. I think they could get away with doing a Fallout in Colorado Springs because they've got the. Um, there's already a place there that's a. In a mountain, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it used to be our own, our old nuclear defense place. Oh, the NORAD, NORAD, yeah. yeah. I got to actually tour that when I was a kid. Um, it was tourable in the '90s. Um, so, anyways, I lived in Colorado Springs, but they've got NORAD there. They've got the Air Force base there. They've got the the Air Force Academy. They got Peterson. Uh, they've got um, a regular Army base there. Um, Cheyenne this, Mountain. Cheyenne Mountain, yeah. Okay. Um, which would make for an interesting backdrop. And they, if they did it in, like, Pueblo, that's also a very arid area. So Pueblo, Colorado, which is south of Colorado Springs, 
Um, looks a whole lot like the desert because uh, it basically is just high plains. Um, and Colorado Springs, if you get anywhere away from the mountains, is essentially just high plains and desert. So um, it'd be an easy setting to do something in. I mean, that was Stargate Command. So, I mean. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> depending on how decommissioned that is, the door to that looks like a vault door. Right. I mean, yes. And you go in NORAD? Yeah. Several feet thick, huge door? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Uh, I mean, you saw that even in the Stargate show. But the thing is... Did is, they... Were they using NORAD? They were using... They were using Giant Mountain as Stargate Command. <laughs> yeah, it's... They don't use it for anything. So, uh... So, yeah. That was... There's the door to NORAD. Yeah, yeah, you saw it. Right, you so see you see, it yeah. looks, it's not circular, but it feels very much like you're going into you're, a vault from Fallout. Yeah, you're you're going to have to have the circular door, though. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind but of the thing. But the interior. Yeah, you could, you could see the interiors. I mean, maybe they use a decommissioned old, like, uh, like ICBM silo, yeah. silo for yeah. the setting so that they can make it look like a vault. That would be interesting. I mean, I mean, even, even so... I mean that would there's plenty of different locations and that and that could be where they go with it. I mean Shia Mountain I mean Stargate Command was Stargate's a fairly old show. They probably could you know reuse it. Um I maybe they don't I don't know. Like I've I went there as a kid, who knows No, they've got right now they're not gonna use this. So, COVID-19 drives command teams charged with Homeland Defense inside Cheyenne Mountain Bunker. Okay, well... So, that's actively being used again, so... Well, that's probably not going to be a thing. It's probably off limits. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably not a, thing, but, not a thing anymore, but... I mean, I got to visit as a kid. It's one of the things that stuck with me my whole life because it's so otherworldly. Yeah. They, well, one of the places that they'll, they'll have to do is... I mean, it's got to be something that's kind of Americana. That's kind of the whole idea behind Fallout is that it has something that's recognizable from Americana, right? Yeah. And then, you you know, just, you, but yeah, but it'll probably be shot in Canada. Of course it's <laughs> going to be shot in Canada because everything else is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it has to have something that you can, you know, that you can relate to fucking, you know, Golden Gate Bridge or fucking, you know. It could be in New York. It could be all kinds of places, right? You know, a, a number of different opportunities there, but it has to have something that ties directly into, like the, uh, you know, the the World War style fucking like Americana. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'll watch it. I'll watch the first few episodes, and if it's if it's anything like The Witcher, because a lot of people were dog shitting The Witcher. Uh, before it came out, myself included. Um, yeah, I. It was Jess that forced me into it. She's like, "I know you've played The Witcher. Have you thought about watching the TV show?" I was like, "It's probably gonna be shit." Yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, "Let's just give an episode a try," and then we ended up watching the whole thing yeah. in three settings. Yeah. It, that's that's that was me. I watched the first episode and I'm like, eh, I'm not sure. Fuck it. There isn't anything else better that that I can do with my time. Let's go ahead and give it, you know, give the one show a shot. And that turned into a binge watch and I was done in a a day. Um, But yeah, that was. uh, Well, (laughs) yeah, 
Todd Howard is a part of the executive producing team, so who okay. knows what happens? It could be great or it could suck for a while. <laughs> and then they got to fix the show. <laughs> God damn. Okay. All right. There's that. Um, we got, we, we got, we got, do we have any quick fire news or? Um, just a couple of releases. Cool. Let's go with it. Um, you've got Horizon Zero Dawn's coming out next month at a price point of forty nine ninety nine. Oh, that is next month, isn't it? Yeah, like August seventh, I want to say. So I saw some. Uh, they put out a four K video trailer for uh, for the PC release for that, and showed some of the uh, customizations that you can do on PC, and it looks good. And of course, if you have a four K monitor, you can pump that resolution all the way up and see all the detail. It looks good. I might play through it again. I mean, I did play through that on the PlayStation, uh, and I enjoyed it, but I think I might enjoy it more on PC. Fuck it. I can't remember the name of the other game I was going to talk about. Um, That was <laughs> all I've got in me. Okay, well, uh, I can tell you from the Final Fantasy land, Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, has been kind of hit hard by the whole COVID-19 situation. Because uh, uh, I, I guess... They still haven't patched 7 Remake. The, uh, the, yeah. You know, the response in Japan for uh, for COVID-19 is uh, taken a lot more seriously than, say, here in America. Um, so they, uh, they did a, a basically full lockdown the... Uh, the development team had to transition to working from home, and uh, and that caused a two month delay in the normal patch cycle for Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, but we finally got a uh, a uh, release date of August eleventh, which is right before my birthday, um, for the next patch, which is good news and bad news because it also means that the patch cycle is being pushed indefinitely two months out. So we basically lost two months, and we just have to deal with it. I mean, it's unavoidable. You can't really expect them to... They have a a patch cycle every three and a half months. Gotcha. So, you know, so you can't really expect them to make up that two months in any particular amount of time without sacrificing. You know, so... It'll just be permanently pushed back. And and that's fine. I mean, it's given me time to actually get you know, back up to speed in that game, which which is uh you know, it's nice for me as a returning player. Um and I know other people play it, they just haven't contacted me. Had me. Um <clears throat> but yeah, that that's a that's a thing. Uh I saw a a news article for a uh for oh. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh they actually scrapped the whole wall running thing. Uh if you watch some of the early trailers you could see that one of the characters actually pulled out some like elbow spikes or whatever and was able to attach to the wall and do some tactical like takedowns from uh from higher up. Uh but they scrapped that in uh in development and basically released the information that that had been scrapped this week. Um, and honestly, I'm sure that 
that is a a, a tactical situation where they had to. Uh, it's probably scrapped that or waited additional months. Right. It was, and it's already delayed to the end of the year at this point. And at this point, yeah, they just want to get the fucking game out. And it was basically just an option in a sea of different options for that game. So it might be something that they might add later, but it's not going to be at release. Um, Wasteland 3 releases next month on the 28th. Ooh, that's nice. And that's a Game Pass 2. Nice. So out there with the Xbox Studios or Microsoft Studios. So uh, if you like the Wasteland 2, it just looks like a more polished version of that. You know, basically Fallout, XCOM Fallout version. Think of it that way. It's it's Wasteland 2 was, you know, was pretty damn good. Uh, you know, so I'm interested to see what they do with Wasteland 3. And, it, and even the early videos of that looked good. So they've got the money to put a higher level of polish on it than they did from Kickstarter. Well, that's good. I think with that, we ought to end the damn show. I'm going to try to remember all the things that Jason does and get through <laughs> all of them. So, if you need to find us, um, I want you to find us on Spotify uh, by searching Tillcast as well as iTunes. Those are the two most important things. Then you can find us on Twitter.com slash Tillcast. You can find us on YouTube.com slash RealTillcast, which will post videos soon. Videos there are like five years old. Oh, my God. Um, you can find us on facebook.com slash tiltcast. Um, and those are the places that you can find us. Yes. Um, you can also find friends of the show. You've got noquarters.net. You've got bmfcast.com. You've got pupcast. You've got cabbage, KBG. KBG. And you've got tvgp.tv. And they have the net point with that. It's the end of the damn show. All right. Peace.